This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome to a I'm in my car leaving Fenway Park edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. Uh, what a night here in Boston. What a night here at Fenway Park. And I wanted to initially, in my mind, I said, you know, here's what I'm going to do. As I'm leaving Fenway Park, I'm going to start the podcast. So you'll hear me walking out of the building. And I realized, as crazy as I am, I mean, I'm the dude that goes to a game with the giant scorebook scoring it. I would look certifiably insane if I'm standing here holding my iPad, breaking down the Yankee Red Sox game while I'm walking with, you know, God knows how many drunken Bostonians. So I decided that I should probably wait until I get to my car. So I'm at my car right now. I am leaving the area. There's just tons of people. So there's a chance that during this podcast, I'm going to run somebody over. And if that's the case, I'm screwed. If that's the case, that's, you know... (laughs) There, go, there goes my defense when you hear it live or taped on a podcast of me running somebody over. But I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to be as safe as I can be. Like right now, I hear some kind of ambulance or or a fire truck behind me. It's actually a... Hold on. I think it's a fire truck. Now I got to find a way to get out of the way so this fire truck can get to whatever fire has occurred. I always find that difficult. Like I'm driving. I want to move, but there's only so many places I can move. So right now, hold on. I'm moving. Fire truck. I'm, I'm trying the best I can. This schmuck to my right won't let me move into the lane because God forbid, like I'm trying to steal something. All right. And I did it successfully. Anyhow, I'm sorry you had to deal with that. Let's get to this game. The New York Yankees have evened up the American League Divisional Series with the Boston Red Sox, and they've done so in a way that is very familiar to us all. They beat the crap out of David Price. And that's exactly what happened. Now, I give Sweeney credit because when Sweeney was with me on the special show we did from Fenway, we were talking about, hey, how many runs do you think David Price is going to give up? And he said, well, look, he's not going to give up more than three because Alex Cora will take him take him out before he gives up three runs. And Sweeney nailed it because even though there were two guys on base, there were two guys on base, so it's possible Price's line could have been five runs. Alex Cora, to his credit, wasted no time. He realized the suckitude of David Price. He realized that the Yankees own him, that the Yankees know that they own him, that David Price knows that the Yankees own him, so he got his ass out of the game. And that's really where we start. We start with the fact that the Yankees walked into Fenway Park in a game that they really needed to get. Falling behind 0-2, it's a tough one, especially against a 108-win team, putting a lot of pressure on Luis Severino, a lot of pressure on potentially CC Sabathia. And even though they were able to come back from 0-2 last year, you can't go to that well too often. You can't expect to just beat the Red Sox two straight at Yankee Stadium and then beat Chris Sale in a Game 5. The best formula they have of winning this series was splitting in Boston and winning the two games at Yankee Stadium. 
they've kept that in line by taking care of business today and beating David Price. But they did what they've always done. And again, Aaron Judge set the tone. He did it in game one. He did it, I'm sorry, he did it in the wild card game when he hit that home run in the bottom of the first inning. The tone was set with that home run in the wild card game. And that's exactly what happened at Fenway Park this evening. That home run against David Price was almost a reminder. It was a, hey, David, you suck and we're going to kick your ass. And then Gary Sanchez, who's the other big story of this game, he was the one who put kind of the exclamation point on David Price's suckness by hitting the ball over the fence. I guess actually McCutcheon put the, the, um, the exclamation point on it by ripping one off of the Green Monster. But the Yankees early and often reminded David Price who he is. And I know that we had talked kind of jokingly about, hey, if you're Alex Cora, could you even start David Price against the Yankees? I know he had to. And he did put him in the best position to succeed by doing it at Fenway Park and not doing it at Yankee Stadium. But it's almost become comical. And more so with David than his struggles against the Yankees is what this guy has done during the postseason in general. He has been such an awful postseason pitcher. And there's a difference between a guy like David Price and a guy like Clayton Kershaw. You know, Clayton Kershaw has had his moments. He had his moment in Game 2 of this Dodger-Brave series that we just saw. And Met fans remember this. He pitched on three days rest in a Game 4 in which the Dodgers needed to win. And he came out, and he pitched a great game at City Field, and he advanced the Dodgers to a Game 5. The problem was DeGrom was awesome in Game 5, and the Dodgers lost. So Kershaw's had his moments. David Price has no moments. I mean, honestly, what's his only moment coming out of the bullpen last year for four innings in one of the Red Sox in one of the postseason games the Red Sox played? Was that was that really what we're talking about? Or his performances early on in his career again again with the Tampa Bay Rays? I mean, so far as a starting pitcher over the last five years, bouncing around baseball with the Toronto Blue Jays and the Detroit Tigers and now the Boston Red Sox, the guy is the definition of someone who comes up small in a big spot. There are guys like Corey Kluber has struggled recently in these big spots, but he has his moments. He pitched pretty good in game one and game four of the World Series in 2016. There are no moments for David Price. Now, I need to take a quick break with an interlude of, I'm trying to go through a green light. There are two Bostonians that just slapped the car next to me because that car tried to go through a green light. God forbid they try to do that. I am now trying to make a very horrific right turn in which there are 10,000 people walking. And I'm afraid that even if I am doing something not illegal, these Bostonians will attack me because I did, because in their mind I did something illegal. So I'm trying to make this turn and I have just done it. Okay. I got through this right turn. I'm, I'm serious. Here's what happened. So I'm at a green light. The, or I'm at a red light. The light just turns green, right? I'd say there was a good five seconds, and the car to my left says, okay, I think it's time to go. The light is green. But two people just keep walking, right, in front of the car. So the car quickly stops. You know, obviously, he's not going to run the person over. Quickly stops. The two people then start banging on the car. I don't know how good the sound is. You may have heard some curse words in the background. They just start banging on the car. And I get it. I mean, nobody wants to be hit by a car, but the person had a green light. They're trying to go. 
They realize they can't because these two drunk schmucks are walking, so they quickly stop. All right, let, let me get back to this game. And uh, I'm also doing this while following my GPS because I am staying, or I'm staying, yes, I am staying at a friend of my wife's house here in Boston. And I have no familiarity with Boston at all. I don't know anything about it. I have no idea where the hell I am. I'm passing something called the BSO, which apparently looks like a nice theater. Other than that, I got no idea where I am. Let's get back to the baseball. So the Yankees chase David Price. The Red Sox, to their credit, their bullpen did a hell of a job, led by Joe Kelly. And I think that's a huge surprise considering, A, how lousy the Red Sox bullpen has been over the last month, how scary their bullpen looked last night in barely holding on to that game. You know, they, they held on, give them credit, but they barely held on to that game. And so getting to the Red Sox bullpen in the second inning felt as if this was an opportunity for the Yankees to put up 10 runs in this game. That was not the case because Joe Kelly came in and did a great job. And what the rest of the Red Sox bullpen did, and I don't have my scorebook out, so I can't even cheat and go through inning by inning by inning like I'll do sometimes on the air because I got my scorebook. The Yankees missed out on golden opportunities. And that was the frustrating part of this game if you're a Yankee fan, that that trend continued. The trend of not being able to get that big hit continued in this game. Now, McCutcheon was able to get one hit with runners in scoring position. That was against Price early. And eventually, eventually, Gary Sanchez let the frustration out against Eduardo Rodriguez by hitting the three-run home run that really, I think if you are, even if you're the most pessimistic Yankee fan, I think that home run was the moment where you said, okay, we're good, we're going to hold on and win this game. So that was the only blemish, really, of the Sox bullpen. They did put a lot of guys on base. They did throw a lot of walks but they were able to make the big pitch and get out of it. Now, one thing I know people were pissed off about on Twitter, and I guess this is the negative of being at a game, and that was the review on the Giancarlo ground ball to third base in which Nunez, more on him in a second, including his family, Nunez made the high throw to second. Initially on the field, they said he was safe. You know, watching from where I was sitting, and I was behind home plate but far back, I thought he had stayed on the base. And so I was sort of surprised initially when they called him safe. It, the other reason why, or the reason why I thought they weren't going to overturn it, though, was there are TVs set up all around Fenway Park. And obviously you got the big screen. But there are TVs around Fenway Park because there's so many obstructed view seats. Where I was sitting, I was sitting literally a row ahead of where those TVs start popping up. And the crowd reacted initially when they saw the replay as if, uh, yeah, he's going to be safe. And because of that, I didn't think they would overturn it. So I was really basing it on the way the crowd reacted. And then when they showed the replays a few more times, they started to be more positive about it, more like, oh, well, maybe they're going to overturn it. But that first reaction made me think, all right, maybe these fans are talking themselves into thinking that the call was going to be overturned. But obviously, they overturn it. I know a lot of Yankee fans feel it cost them a run. Guess what? It doesn't freaking matter. How about that? It only hurts an RBI potentially from Gary Sanchez. Outside of that, who cares? Doesn't matter. Sanchez hits that just ridiculous shot of a home run. And after that, come on, let's face it. You were home free. I know Ian Kinsler almost hit a two-run homer. It bounced off the green monster. McCutcheon kind of misplayed it a little bit. But... 
I don't know. Maybe I'm saying it because I'm not a Yankee fan, but I was convinced this baseball game was over, and it obviously was. The bullpen did a fine job. Dylan Betances pitched two innings. He did allow one run, but that one run was after the Yankees had broken the game open. Zach Britton pitched an inning. Chapman pitched an inning. The decision to take out Tanaka, let me get to that. I understand the metrics on Tanaka, and a lot of pitchers, but the metrics on Tanaka say third time around the order is when hitters are going to get to him. And if you remember, Tanaka had just retired Mookie Betts to end the fifth inning on a ball that was hit very hard, if memory serves correct. Because Tanaka is Tanaka, okay, in that he has been such a money pitcher since the moment he's walked through that door, or really the moment he's been given that opportunity, starting back with the wild card game against Dallas Keuchel. So the combination of A, Tanaka is a money pitcher, I have the lead, I can go batter to batter, but Tansis has already shown you with what he did in that game. Oh my God, there's a bus turning, and I have no idea if it's going to be able to make it. Hold on. Ah, okay. I survived. I did not get side-swiped by a freaking bus. Okay, I'm good. All right, back to what I was saying. Oh, yeah. Why I was going to keep... You got to admit, this podcast may suck today. My points you may not agree with. You got to give me some freaking credit here. I'm driving through this godforsaken city with a bunch of drunk morons. I'm concentrating on the road. I'm being incredibly safe. I mean, I'm the safest driver ever. And yet... I'm still maintaining my composure and breaking down this game. I deserve something for this. I don't know what. Maybe just a pat on the back. I don't know. But I deserve something. I can't figure out what it is. Anyhow, I would have gone batter to batter. His pitch count is 76. And maybe I'm just hard-headed because I'm an old-school baseball guy. Masahiro Tanaka pitched five innings. He threw 76 pitches. He allowed one run. And he was taken out of the game. Like, that's the thing that I can't get past. You could give me all the numbers, second time around, third time around, eighth time around. The bottom line is, he's a starting pitcher who pitched five innings, who had a lead, who gave up one run. His pitch count isn't even hit 80 yet. I don't know, man. Let the guy pitch the sixth inning. And as good as Betances is, and I think Zach Britton is solid, and Aroldis Chapman is solid, we said this about the Oakland A's. The more relievers you go to, the greater chance there is that somebody's going to blow up. Because you look at this Yankee bullpen, and it's had a fine year. Every one of these guys has had their blow-up moments. So why give that opportunity out there for it to occur? I would have let Tanaka start the sixth inning. Is it the end of the world? No, it worked out. History is written by the winners. Aaron Boone has this series tied 1-1, and most of the moves he has made has worked. He's not, he didn't lose game one because of moves he made. He lost game one because the Yankees couldn't get a big hit and Jay Happ sucked. That's why he lost game one. There isn't a move yet, that's the key word, that you can circle to and say, hey, that cost the Yankees a game. Joe Girardi had plenty of those. Aaron Boone will probably have some at some point. It hasn't happened yet, but Tanaka, to me, start the sixth inning, why not? Now, another negative thing you have when you're not at a, when you're at a game, as compared to watching on TV, is the whole, was it Brazier who yelled at Gary Sanchez? I think Brazier yelled at Gary Sanchez, you know, basically get your ass in the box, and then he struck him out. 
I got to go back and watch that replay because that's kind of a cool moment. I got to admit because I don't mean any disrespect to Gary. And most of the time it's the pitcher who's a, an annoying douche by not throwing the freaking baseball and taking a minute and a half between pitches. But for him to go after the hitter and say, hey, get your, get your butt in the batter's box, I kind of like it. By the way, I'm about to turn on a street called Dudley Street, which makes me think of my dog who I miss at home. And that, of course, is Dudley, who, yes, still exists. I may talk less about him, but that's because I have a son. And you probably should talk more about your son than your dog, but I still love my dog, Dudley, and I'm about to turn on that street. Now, let me get to Eduardo Nunez. I noticed a woman sitting to my right who had an Eduardo Nunez jacket on. And so my assumption was... I think this woman is married to Eduardo Nunez, and the woman sitting to her right was an older lady who sort of looked like Eduardo Nunez. You know, she was fine. I mean, she must have been, I'd say, in her 60s or, or late 50s. So I am going to make the leap of faith that I sat next to Eduardo Nunez's lovely wife and his mom. And what really put me over the top is when, <laughs> is when Nunez made the diving play and then the bad throw, the mom's reaction was that of a mom. She was very excited about the diving play and very upset about the throw. So I want to give a shout out to the Nuni family, Mrs. Eduardo Nunez, I'm assuming, and Mama Eduardo Nunez. I did not curse your son out at all during this game, and they should know that I preferred Eduardo Nunez over Todd Frazier for the New York Mets. Anything else from this? Uh, I'll leave on this, and of course, Joe and I will talk more about it on Monday. If you're a Yankee fan, you got to be ecstatic. I know the fantasy was to beat Chris Sale, win game one, and have David Price on the mound with the Sox needing a victory. I get that being the fantasy, but this is what you needed to do with these two games in Boston. You needed to split. You needed to get this thing back to Yankee Stadium, and this is the formula because if you can protect your building, which the Yankees have done so well in the postseason over the last two years you're going to move on to the American League Championship Series. And I think you've got a great chance to do it. I assume Rick Porcello will make the start in Game 3. We did not see him out of the bullpen in Game 2. We did see him out of the bullpen in Game 1. Porcello can be great, as we've seen against the Yankees. He can be very, very bad. The Yankees have Severino on the mound, who I think now as a Yankee fan, if you're out there, you probably have a, a new confidence in. And he went out in that wild card game. I know it was only four innings, but he did pitch well in that game. So you feel like you have the starting pitching edge in game three. Game four, let's not forget Jay Happ. And I got to tell you, the more I think about it, no matter what, whether I'm up 2-1 or I'm down 2-1, I think I'm starting Jay Happ in this game because for two reasons. Number one, I don't mean any knock on CC. I think you can use CC out of the bullpen. I think that's fine. Hap threw so few pitches in game one. He only threw in the mid-40s. I don't think you throw out all the success that he's had against this Red Sox team. He still has a great track record against the Red Sox, and you figure he's going to bounce back. But here's the real reason. More so, and I wouldn't say more so, but certainly up there. And that's the fact that Masahiro Tanaka would pitch game five. And what Masahiro Tanaka reminded you again today is that he is a big game pitcher. And I said this about the wild card game, and I'll certainly say this about a potential game five. There is no Yankee starting pitcher I want on the mound more that I would trust more in that game than Masahiro Tanaka. Sure, you can start CC in game four and still go back to Tanaka on regular rest in game five. That's no doubt an option. But 
Why not start Hap in game four? The short rest shouldn't be a big deal. He's not going to pitch that deep into the game anyway, considering how quick Aaron Boone is to go to the bullpen. And it allows you to pitch your best pitcher, because I think he is. He is your money pitcher. He is Masahiro El Duque Tanaka in a game five. So that's what I would do. Um, but good job by the Yankees. They get a victory. Nice job by the Red Sox fans. You guys weren't complete animals today. In fact, I would say this. I'll give the Yankee fans a compliment because I mean it. I'm not out here trying to throw compliments. Met fans think I'm a Yankee fan. I'm not a freaking Yankee fan. I'm an independent baseball fan. I thought the crowd at Yankee Stadium was much more electric than the crowd at Fenway. Now, I understand the Yankees played a wild card game. All right? It was winner take all. They needed to win the game. There was a desperation. All of that. And I know that the Red Sox were behind almost immediately in this game. All of those things noted. I'm just saying, I was in the building, and I think the crowd was more electric at Yankee Stadium than Fenway. Uh, that's it. I'm done. I got nothing else to say. That's not true. I have many more things to say, but I've arrived at my destination. And it is about 1230 in the morning. That's when I have finished recording this. And the truth is, I don't want to just sit here talking into an iPad. I want to go in, I want to see my wife, I want to see how she's feeling, and we may consider driving back to the greatest city of them all, New York City, right now. So I want to thank you for listening to the Evan Roberts Podcast, Leaving Fenway Park Edition. I want to remind you, Joe and I, 10 a.m. on Monday, and I don't know the next time I'll do a podcast. Maybe I'll do another Instant Reaction Podcast throughout this series. I don't know. I'm tired, okay? Actually, I'm not even that tired. But thanks again for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. Goodbye.